do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Berg. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to High Strangeness. Tonight, oh my gosh, I am like really excited about this. I have the wonderful artist Chet Zaron. And Chet really has forged his way to becoming one of the great, if not greatest of all time, in my opinion, dark artists around. Chet, would you mind kind of explaining what dark art is? First off, hello, uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> God, I really got into it, man. I'm a lonely guy. <laughs> thanks, for having, thanks for having me on the Dude, show. I appreciate it. Coming. Yeah. It's like, you know, dark art is, is a, it's, it's to me, it's what I've always done since I was a kid. You know, it was my natural orientation just to kind of draw monsters. I was influenced by horror movies and haunted houses and ghost books, you know, real ghost photo books Mm -hmm. when I was a kid and all, you know, high strangeness, you know, I was into that. I grew up in the seventies. So it's like, there was paperbacks of all the Bigfoot Loch Ness monster. That was like part of the culture. So Um, I completely related to that. So anyway, as an adult, after I got out of, I left the the effects industry to do my own fine art, I was like, what am I going to paint? You know? And, and, and I just went back to, you know, the thing I really love to do the most is painting monsters and kind of dark subject matter. And so I just kind of followed my bliss into that. And, uh, you know, it wasn't even until I started trying to figure out how to market my art that I started thinking, what is dark art and you know it dark art is like you know you know it when you see it yeah it's it's it confronts dark subject matter it can be funny though it's like it, there's a whole range there's like extreme metal albums with dismembered people on one end and then you've got like you know high high art on the other end of like giger and sure. you know francis bacon even yeah. or you know uh goya so there's like a whole range of it, but it just generally, <clears throat> I think, confronts darker issues in one way or another. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and so has the actual like label of dark, is that fairly new or is, has the label of dark art been around for a while? It's, you know, it's one of those things that people <clears throat> just kind of called it. And I don't think it's officially been branded. It was, it's one of those things that just general when people talk about it people that don't really even know anything about art, they'll just refer to it as dark mm-hmm. art. It just was like a thing that you'd hear people talking about. And when, when I was during the filming of uh, this documentary that this guy made about me, it came up so often that that's when I really started thinking about what is dark art? What does it mean? And, um, you know, a lot of people in the dark art community didn't like it because they felt like it was diminished it in some way uh-huh. or, you know, put them in a box. But to me, it was like, I felt like, everyone's calling it that. So let's just keep calling it that. And then we won't have to worry about what to name this movement. The, the name isn't the important thing. The thing that the movement is the important thing. I, you know what I mean? I totally agree. I even feel like that the same way with like genres. It's like some people get really uptight about label labeling genres of music or genres of film. Totally. Or, and to me, I'm like, I don't really care about that. Right. And even like with like the paranormal and, ufology and all this stuff like sometimes i feel like was paranormal really the right word but 
at the same time, I don't care. It, it, it works for now until we have something better to call it. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's not the it's not the the name isn't the thing. The thing is the thing. I totally you know? agree. I totally agree. <laughs> Just, so I'm. So- if you think think about all the all the uh, 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 cubism or mm-hmm. surrealism or or uh, uh, um, uh, what is what is uh, any of these painting movements? Yeah. They're not like amazing names. No. They're not like, ooh, that's a cool name. They're just like, they're cool because of what the movement is behind it. Right, right. It <laughs> doesn't matter what the yeah, name is. Yeah, you don't like surrealism, like, because the name's cool. You like it because it's like, really <laughs> weird, you know, mind-bending stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I apologize for such the harsh opening. I must say I'm, like, such a huge fan that I uh, maybe am a little nervous, so. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. I, don't, I I think you're you're amazing, oh, so thanks, I feel... Man honored that you would have me on oh, dude. And, uh, well you're you're, you're you're a hilarious talented dude oh, so. thanks buddy i really appreciate it. that's so nice of you to say it. so the, the, i i have known of your work for a while and i think it was a few months ago i it was a late night and i'm going through tubi and i see a document a beautiful like beautiful looking you know cover to a film and it was called chet czar and i was like hey i know that dude i know that dude he's, <laughs> he, he, he's so talented i love him and I watched the documentary. And first off, I must say, I am a huge fan of documentaries that profile artists. I, I think mm, about David Lynch's too. The Art Life, mm-hmm. How to Draw yep. a Bunny. I could go on and on. And really, I've seen them all. I have too. And, and I, <laughs> I watch them again. And I will say, I put this up, the documentary made, made about you, right up there with the greatest. Oh, thank you. And, and one, Thanks, one thing, I, you know, I rewatched it a couple of days ago. And just to kind of help myself prepare for this. But one thing I will say, I could say a lot about it, but you, you and your approach to your work to me is very inspiring. Like Mm. on a multitude of levels, one, you take the work so seriously and you always talk like, I would rather be doing nothing else. And you treat it like a full-time job. I think a lot of people kind of normies out there think of artists and they're like, well, they're just kind of flighty, flaky guys. Who... I, literally, I just said this to someone the other really? day. Really? Yesterday, <laughs> I was saying the exact same thing. And it's like, it's hard work. You Hell know, yes. it's not like that at all. Hell yes. I mean, like, I have one of my good friends is a musician. He's on, I mean, especially nowadays where they can't make money off their music. He's touring like almost 300 days a year. Right. Actors, even like character actors, to just get like a seven lines on a TV show. You have to work your ass off to get that. Yep. So there's this perception, I think, from people who aren't in the art world or entertainment world, that artists are just kind of like lounge around, wait to be inspired, <laughs> go crank out a painting that they sit around for nine months. But one thing I loved, and I feel like David Lynch kind of shows this just like you do, yeah. that you, it, guys like you and him, they are absolute workhorses. And I bet you put in more hours way more hours than the average human being does at their desk job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, in fact, you know, when I was working in effects, which I did for like 20 years in the film industry, I, uh, I pretty much worked eight to five, right. you know, some, some days you had overtime uh, and stuff and you stayed late, but I would, and, and weekends off generally. Right. And now since I've gone full as a full-time artist in, uh, 2009, I think I was able to make the full jump. I work every day. Yeah. I work every day. I have no life outside of this. Yeah. It's it, the the only co- real contact I have with people is my wife and my my family when they come over and stuff. And um, uh, 
going to art shows once in a while, art openings, and then the podcast I do yeah. just talking to other artists then. And it's like, it's, it's, it's hard, especially when you're kind of a niche artist as well. You're not painting stuff. That's very, super mainstream. Right. Um, you, you, uh, uh, you, it, it's, it's harder to find an audience and it's just more work, but you know, that just proves how much I love what I do yeah. that I'm willing to work that hard. Cause I, I probably put in, on average, I put in twice as twice as many hours as I did in effects. Good so I'm Lord. probably doing like seventy or eighty hours a week every week. And that's it's, that's a thing. It's crazy. But you, I mean, like you know, in, you you know, a handful of times in the documentary, and I read an interview with you where you say like, I would rather be doing nothing else. Is that still oh, yeah. true to this day? You know, yeah. like all these years later. Definitely, yeah. That the way I see it is this: that's the price I have to pay to do the thing that I love the most. Right you now, I, I completely feel like. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm living my life's purpose and, and my, my, the, the rest of my life is all geared towards supporting that purpose. Right. So that means I have to do all the emails and mm-hmm. shipping and putting stuff on to sell right. and sales and, and coupon codes for sales. I have and all the bullshit. Nobody <laughs> wants to course, do. <laughs> That's the stuff I think probably every artist wishes they could farm out to uh, other yeah. people, but it's so rare people. I remember like I my friend who's like a very successful actor. He's like, well, why don't you just get someone to edit your podcast and like do all the social media stuff. I'm like, because I don't have the money, man. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, I would love exactly. to trust me. That sounds great. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Because, because on top of it, I'm doing a podcast yeah. too. So it's like, so it's just like you know, and that and that helps. That's like a, it again. That started as a fun project to do, like you know, kind of like what you were yeah. saying uh, with yours, and um, and it ended up being like taking on a life of its own. So now. Uh, but I'm able to monetize that right. t- through Patreon and right. stuff. So I get a little money from mm-hmm. there. So, so it's become one more uh, avenue of earning money because I, everything I do has to, unfortunately as an artist, it has to earn money. Yeah. So that, so the trick is, you know, how do I keep making the stuff I want to make and make money doing yes. it? That's like this horrible game. I don't want to play, but I have to, yeah. it's just the way it is. Everyone <laughs> does. I mean, like, you know, I, I always tell people like, you know, there are some actors out there who can choose all their work based on the quality and who they're working with. And God bless. That sounds great. But for mm-hmm. me, it's like really one out of four or five acting jobs is an acting job. I really care about the rest of it is just like, I'm paying the bills, right. man. Like yep. I'm doing a network yep. TV guest star. It's not because that's what I dreamt about doing as a kid, but like, you know, I had to pay yeah. rent and, you know, feed myself. So mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's why I don't like. <clears throat> I never begrudge bands like bands I love, like uh, Devo, yeah. kind of. De- I are a big Devo fan. After a certain point, you know, they they're playing like these reunion shows and stuff, yeah. and it's like they're making money because they never made money when they were making all this amazing art. Exactly. You know, and same with John Carpenter yeah. as a director. He he blatantly was, says like, "This is paying for my vacation." And he's like, "Cut them some slack. They made brilliant art." on a shoestring for like 15 years. Absolutely. It's like now they let them make their money. They deserve it. Yeah. I was actually just having this argument with not argument, but this discussion with a friend like a couple months ago. And he, you know, I, I grew up a big pavement fan, like the kind of the nineties mm, rock great. scene. And mm-hmm, so people yeah. are like, man, I don't know. Pavement is, they kind of ruined it by going on this like old man tour. Now I'm like, I'm like, dude, they were on an indie rock label. They yep. did not sell many albums. I mean, they were like hand to mouth. 
And now yep. they're actually like being rewarded financially yeah. for the great art they put out. And I, totally. I really can't understand that kind of, and it seems illogical to me that you would want yeah. artists to not be able to support themselves. I know. <laughs> it's people It's people who have never been in that situation. I think so. Really. I, I think that's exactly what it <laughs> they is. They don't understand. You know? I think it's exactly what it is. Um, you know, so I have a question, you know, because I actually ask a lot of people this who are authors in kind of the high strangest 40 in world. And do you think, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird question, but like, do you think people who are, you know, kind of, into the occult, esoterica, the paranormal, you know, lack of a better term, mm-hmm. are sort of predisposed to like this stuff. Like, sometimes I feel like I came out of the womb, like, being obsessed with UFOs. Because right. I can't remember, I don't remember ever being alive and not being into the paranormal. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels genetic mm-hmm. to me. It feels genetic, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just some dummy but yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's just who i am and it's been like that since i was a little kid even you know going through the documentary i talk about traumas i suffered as mm-hmm. a kid and stuff which i was kind of like you know that might have something to do with it mm-hmm. but at the same time it feels like it was just always there you know even before that like i just was attracted to it and most people i know are like that yeah you know uh it's just you know, why does anybody like anything? I suppose, right. but <laughs> right. No, totally. It's just a weird, it's a weird, uh, thing we have. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it, it's, but that's kind of what makes it cool in a way too. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes it kind of unique that we all have this weird interest in these strange things. Yeah. I, I think, I think so too. You know, and I, I, sometimes I think like I try to like deconstruct it for myself and, you know, in conversation with other people like yourself and, I wonder if it's we are obsessed with mystery because a lot of these things, mm-hmm. like even like a dark art, like when I look at your work, yeah, there is a, like, I think like to me, a great artist, like you could show a hundred people, one of your pieces and a hundred people would have like a hundred different interpretations. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Norman Rockwell thing where it's like pretty right. on the surface. Your <laughs> stuff is very layered and it feels otherworldly and it kind of transports me to the place that I'm looking at. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal for me. It's, it's, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's like, I approach the artwork from a completely intuitive place and I don't even really know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. I'm just sort of like, it's not logical. Mm -hmm. It's more like, I'm just kind of going, Oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. And the meaning, you know, let other people figure out the meaning or I'll figure out the meaning later. And often, you know, as I ended up making a book, this book dystopia, which is like a mythologizing of all of my paintings that I've ever made. And, um, I realized, I realized through the documentary and a series of interviews by the director about the, the art, my artwork that there, that there's like, I do know all these things about these paintings that I just intuited and they all connect. Yeah. And so there's like a linear, there's a, a functional reality there, like this alternate reality. It's so weird. That It's a, it's a, it's a trick. That's an amazing concept though. I love that because I feel like fans of your work will or probably have, were already mythologizing it. Right. But it, yeah. It's yeah. like you participating in the, uh, the people appreciating your art, you're participating with them and saying like, Hey, let me join in on the conversation. And like, <laughs> this is kind of what I'm thinking, but like what you're thinking is right too. And like, right. I, you know, when I look at one of your, your pieces, I'm not just looking at like, um, you know, let's say it's a, 
the, the gas mask, you know, one of your famous pieces, the mm-hmm. guy with the gas mask holding the nine millimeter pistol. And right. But, but what's happening in the background, there's such a world in the background, mm-hmm. like it's such a rich environment that weirdly I have to say, and I don't know if it's just me feels eerily familiar to me. <laughs> Oh, thanks. You know, that's the the guy, the Mike Carell, the guy that directed the documentary, said that he initially got in touch with me because he saw a painting of mine called Pipe Dream, and he said that he had seen that before. Yeah, <laughs> he'd seen it like I don't know if it was in a dream or something. He saw he was like recognized it, right? And you know, that's the that's the cool thing about art, though. And and I and I will say the the idea of mystery too. When we describe dark art, I've been you know the whole my whole podcast, the Dark Art Society, is like kind of about dark art yeah. generally so we talk a lot about it and you know it's not just it's horror art doesn't cut it it's not like although that's part of it sure. that can be part of it mystery is probably the biggest aspect of dark art and 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 if you think about what darkness is it's like it's mysterious it's the thing you're not sure about mm-hmm. it's the womb it's you know it's it's and that's what is exciting and i think draws people to to the occult and, and esotericism and, and all the stuff you're mentioning. It's like people that are curious about what the hell everything is, right. you know, what the hell is going on? Right. You know, we don't even know what's going on here. Right. You know, it's not a lot really. And, and, and then there's this other stuff going on because we keep having these weird experiences. It's like, what is it? Right. And so it's, it's like a curiosity. And, and I think one thing that I, uh, dark art kind of helps people to, um, go there in a way without in a safe way, yeah, you know, yeah. cause it's kind of scary for a lot of people to consider that this stuff actually exists, Yeah, you know, paranormal stuff. It, it, it is. I think for a lot of people, I mean, even myself, like I'm one of those people who is like desperately trying to have stuff, ha- like going to places I know. In, the, in the hope that it happens. <laughs> and it never happens it, when, it, when you want it course. to, it only happens when you're totally distracted, <laughs> not expecting it, not paying attention. It's like, that's the cosmic joke of it, it all. It's it, so funny. It is. Well, speak, speaking of cosmic, uh, you, you bring up something funny. My, my friend, Greg Bishop, I don't know if you know who he is. He's an LA guy, but he's, he's Mm-mm. kind of a, big stalwart in the uh, UFO scene. He's been around for a long mm. time and, and it's kind of a next level thinker in this stuff, really taking cool. the ball really far down the field, but he's always, he, and he's got, he's kind of an art historian. He studied like art mm. history. And so he comes from it in a very artistic way. And one idea he likes to throw out about, you know, UFOs and the occupants of UFOs is that maybe it's a cosmic art project, you know, oh, that's cool. here <laughs> to inspire us because I do feel like, mm. When you're into the paranormal and the occult, like there is something artistically inspiring about it, like no doubt yeah. about it. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, think about like trips and visionary experiences; mm-hmm. they're very amazing. Yeah. Even the even the bad ones yeah. are, are you know are incredible, and 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 they seem designed, right? You know, but all of nature is like that too. When you think about it, everything is just so beautiful. Right, just reality is just so beautifully designed you know i don't want to get into that what's the uh (laughs) that christian thing uh divine create divine yeah i think i know i know you're talking about yeah i'm not getting at that it's like i'm just saying it's like uh i don't know that could make that could make sense to me i could see that or push pushing us to something right that we don't even know yet right maybe it's pushing us to do 
to change in some way that we can't understand. Either. Sure. Sure. I mean, like, you know, some, I, I think, you know, the first kind of surrealism, uh, I guess the first couple pieces of surrealism I was exposed to as a pretty young kid was Twin Peaks, which even though mm. it's not like you look at it now, it doesn't feel that surreal at the time. It was very surreal oh, to me. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, you know, it was at the time. Yeah. And yeah. then I think like in high school, ninth grade, our art teachers showed us a bunch of Dolly paintings and I, mm was you know a ufo kid and like i looked at those paintings and i felt like because there's part of like the paranormal and the occult and ufos is that there is a level of absurdity and surrealism that's inherent with this stuff it's illogical it doesn't make sense sometimes it's hilarious sometimes it's terrifying (laughs) but i feel like it is it's a lot like art and the parallels to me are incredible Right. Yeah. And a lot like dreams. Yeah. It's all related in some way. Like I, 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 it's, it's, it's hard, you know, every, you know, everything's connected, I think really, but, but we're always trying to like separate things out, but man, it's like, I've had these out of body experiences and I've had lucid dreams and I've had regular dreams and I've had psychedelic trips and it's like, they are, not the same thing, but you can tell that they contain part of the other thing within them. Yes. So there is some relation, and I, and even the um, uh, abduction, alien abduction stories you hear about—they are so close to uh, out of body experiences I've had that are weren't not where I was getting abducted, but the way I was floating a- up out of my body and the way I was floating through the house right. and things looked weird and the feeling and and the the existential dread and stuff—it's mm-hmm. like. You know, and then I'm not saying they were dreaming. I'm saying like, you know, this out of body thing, all of this dreaming and everything is just part of this greater reality. I, th- I think maybe we don't understand. Yes. It's crazy. It, it is crazy. <laughs> it's so you know, crazy. Like, it's crazy. But like, you know, if you like kind of look at the work of Carl Jung and stuff like that, he, re- you know, obviously dreams were very important. Like, yeah. You know, that's kind of where the sea of archetypes live. And right. sometimes we're pulling stuff from our subconscious and these this sea of archetypes that we probably don't we're not even aware of that we're doing, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And even when you in uh, magic, uh, ceremonial magic and st- chaos magic and stuff, part of the whole discipline of that is um, recording your dreams mm-hmm. and tr- learning which dreams are actually telling you something and which are just like the you know, uh, spitting out of the day's events, right. just da- downloading all the crap in your mind. Um, and, uh, but it's like that thing that the high strangeness, whatever you want to call it communicates to you through dreams as well. Yeah. And, 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 and I think as artists and I think artists of all types, it can communicate to, to you through your artwork yeah. as well. Right. If you're, if you're able to like create in a way where you're not putting too much you're not trying to control it too much it can it can it tells you things about yourself Mm -hmm. it's weird it's a really weird thing it's i've had so many paintings where when i was done i was like oh this is basically talking this is about this situation that i had years ago or whatever it's it's so obvious to me now it's and it's like i'm talking to myself through the art but it's this thing that talks through you that creates the art that doesn't feel like you it's just weird. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I wonder, like, you know, I'm not a painter. I wish I was. God, I have no. But I mean, the same, I think the same applies to like 
acting or any of the arts Mm -hmm. music it does dance it totally does chat like the the, i did uh improvisational comedy for a long time that's kind of how i got my start in the in the old business out in la but um (laughs) when when improv goes well you don't like remember doing it it's you're totally unconscious and like it's working out well you're being funny you're pushing a story along but i'm not even aware i'm doing it but if you're right. on stage and you're thinking and you're trying to write in your head, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to say this and get a bunch of yeah. laughs. It falls flat in its face and the audience can yep. see it. And I yeah. wonder, and it almost sounds like with, like, I guess I'm trying to phrase this the right way. But when you're like, and for lack of a better term again, in the zone, <laughs> you know, and, and really, <laughs> you know, cooking along and painting, do you feel sort of like you were sort of transported or like a little unconscious? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because especially I'm, you know, I'm I, I'm always trying to honor this thing. You know, I just talked about it on the, on the last episode of the podcast. It's And I talk about it a lot recently in the podcast because I think it's such a cool idea. But it's like, uh, you know, art as the spiritual path. You know, yes. I, I feel like this thing is wants to be expressed through me. So I have to be my best as an artist, mm-hmm. as a painter, so that I can express the thing and honor the thing. And it's like, every painting is like an offering yes. to this art God thing. And you know, the easel is the altar and you like worship the art God or God through art at the altar and you create offerings for it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you want to bring your best because you, you love this thing and you believe in this thing. So it's like total parallel to a, a religious devotee of any stripe, right. a real one. You know what I mean? I totally and, do. And, and I think it's true of all the arts and especially, you know, when you get, when you get into magic also, there's like, certain practices to where you um, call spirits and gods to come into you so that you can be better at certain things. Like you could be a better writer. You could be better, smarter. You could be a a good orator. And that's like what actors do. I believe in a way, you know, you you're channeling something. You're getting in touch with this thing beyond you. You, you know, when you're doing it, yes. And you're, and you're so right. Cause I remember when I first started like getting actual jobs, I'd be like, I'm like a TV set terrified nervous i'm just like this dipshit kid from nebraska what am i doing here and i wouldn't you know the first couple of jobs i had i like i looked back an old episode of tv i did like a year ago and i was terrible you can see me trying to memorize my lines like i'm just I'm like <laughs> i'm waiting for the person to stop talking so i can say my thing and then after a while you get better at it and because you stop mm-hmm. thinking like you know they say action right. all the thoughts are out of my head and i'm just trying to be convince people i'm someone else you know, right. <laughs> and that <laughs> is magic, kind of. You know, yeah, like, it is. It is, and it's like, and it's what kids do too. It totally is. Kids do it, and it's like, it's like you know, and 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 you know, kids have magic. It's mm-hmm. like you're born with it, and then you you unlearn it as you become older. Yeah. And I think a lot of this through the arts, you can kind of find it again, mm-hmm. and uh, you get through spirituality and magic, whatever the discipline is, you can you can find that again, totally. that thing that you have when you're a kid. You, you know? really can. And I, I feel like, you know, in listeners out there, don't be discouraged. If you feel like you can't do art, I think you can almost get just as much out of being a deep appreciator of the arts. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of artistic, but look, I can fiddle around with guitar and like play a Brandon Jonestown massacre song and I can do acting <laughs> stuff, but like I, I can't paint or draw, but I am a 
deep, deep appreciator of the arts. It's probably the thing that is most important to me in the entire world. And that to me is such a wonderful lens to live my life with, you know, like it just makes me more beautiful and it's there for me in times of crisis. Like whenever I have going through a bad period in my life, music and art is my therapy. Totally, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's an invaluable service for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, artists need people, artists need non-artists to appreciate their work. If we're sitting here, doing it by ourselves and not showing anybody there's, I always have felt like the, the final process of um, the artistic process of creating a piece is showing it to people. That's really important. Imagine just like doing improv by yourself. It's like, (laughs) it's like it's missing an essential piece because it, it, because it it really is about sharing, you know, it's about sharing something and, 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 uh, it's it's essential and, and same with music you know like I've, I've always felt like yeah there was times where it, you know music got me through yep um it's 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 super important it really is um uh, you know our art is just super important I, whatever art form yeah any kind of creative act is important 100 and the, you, i'm so glad you <clears throat> mentioned uh your kind of philosophy about the art the piece is not finished until it's shown i actually when i was re-watching uh the documentary the other night i paused that and went up and went and grabbed the post-it note so i could write that down so i'm like i I want to talk about that (laughs) because i have never heard anyone phrase it like that ever like i feel like you know when I, i i have friends who are directors screenwriters and you know musicians and i feel like well you know to them the way they talk, well, you know, when the editor, you know, we get the, we lock the film down, then I'm done. I'm going on vacation. And right. obviously maybe they don't realize that. Well, obviously they, they're making it for people. I've right. never heard someone actually put it into the phrase you did to where like, because I, I thought it was such a sweet and like beautiful way to look at it where you're like, it's my part of it is done. Now I'm going right. to show it. And this art lives on and it may yeah. even evolve. <clears throat> With other people, right. you know, you never yeah, know how yeah. it's going to impact people. And that's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to mention um, hearing people's reflections about it. I've learned so much about myself and about my my own artwork by hearing what other people have to say about it, how it affected them, what they see in it. Sometimes I don't even, sometimes people point things out to me that I wasn't even aware of in the paintings. And it's like, so it's like, it's a collaborative process in that way, Absolutely. you know. And it and it's an important part. It's important to me. It's an important part of the process. And uh, and like um, <clears throat> going back to what we just said before that, um, uh, it's art helping get you through. Movies, yeah. movies are you know, uh, and great TV series. Yes. You know, those are those are as important as music to me too. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm a huge movie fan, and and um, and that's a that's an art form that that matters to me too Same. On, a, on a personal level you know same yeah it, it's hard for me to kind of communicate with people and i mean like I, I have friends who are like here look here's the thing everyone loves art whether they know it or express it or not right. like yeah, i mean just, you know like yeah. if you took if you sucked out all the art out of like this planet in our reality we would just cease to exist i'm convinced <laughs> yeah i agree there's no, there's I agree. no point <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah exactly um you know so i i have i have a question so like you're and i'm not trying to dox you or anything but you talk about how you're from san pedro mm-hmm. and you know for my listeners if you don't know san pedro's it's just like south of los angeles i mean it's kind of part of la right like in a way yeah 
but it's its own little world yeah, too. It's it, very kind of cut off from from the rest of LA. It is totally. And do you? I I, I always wonder. I I sort of feel like you know. I guess and I'm, I will swear this will be the last time I mentioned David Lynch. But like I know <laughs> when he was in art school in Philadelphia, he's like that's when I found myself because I was so revolted and terrified of Philadelphia. It was all like yeah, right. cold metal, rusted out, like abandoned industrial buildings, and that really kind of made his art. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, has the San Pedro itself has that influenced your art and yourself, your environment? I I think so. I think so because um, uh, you know the the Minute Minute. You know that band, the Minute Minute. I have Minute Minute written down my thing. I'm a big uh, Mike Watt fan. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, a huge. Yeah. And Mike Watt still lives in Pedro. Oh, yeah. He still lives there. Yeah, he's hardcore yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Um, but but the the thing about San Pedro, it's a, it's a weird place because if you uh, if you just kind of go there on the surface, it's like a lot of longshoremen, uh, kind of a chill vibe yeah. you know just kind of you know, a little rednecky uh you know it's 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 just P- pedro dudes yeah. you know there was a there was a document or not a documentary tv they did a tv show called san pedro beach bums i think it was it was in the late 70s or early 80s i think it ran for like one season people people in pedro were all offended but it, you know there's a lot of just like it's just that beach relaxed attitude right. and working class people yeah. basically but there is this weird element in San Pedro. I'm telling you, there is like, there's always weird stuff happens there. It's not weird enough that this strange little town would have an artist like me and an artist like the Minutemen come out of it, it which it, is totally weird. It is weird though, yeah. <laughs> but but um, there was, there's weird stuff happens there. I don't know how to explain it. Two of the houses I lived in when I was growing up were haunted. I know other people that have experienced hauntings. There was always like there was a halfway house downtown and there was always like mentally ill people walking around saying things that were like mm-hmm. out of a, you know, Prince of Darkness, that John Carpenter movie right. was like there was <laughs> there's just it. there's definitely a weird energy there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's like I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like that's part of um, my 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 artistic, I don't know, lineage. Yeah. In a way. I think it's I think it's I feel like it's affected me, but in ways that I can't uh, really understand fully. Right. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, it's funny. Cause I, you know, I think a lot of people perceive Southern California as like, you know, you know Beverly Hills movie stars, yeah, this and right. that. And it is, there is that element, but it's like 1% of Southern California. Right. Southern yeah. California, in fact, ha, you know, it has Manly P hall, you know, like it, yeah, it has yeah. this deep, rich occult history. Probably, oh probably yeah, more, especially Hollywood. Oh my too. lord! Yeah, I I lived in Los Feliz for twenty years. And, oh no way! Oh, yeah, I just did I just did a talk at that uh, Philosophical Research Society with Mitch Horowitz. Yeah, uh, that place is amazing. That place in Los is absolutely wonderful. It's incredible, and I'm glad now it's open more because it used to be one of those things. Yeah, where you would go a lot; it would be closed. Yeah, they've got new management now, and they're like opening it up and having events. I there. love that they're having cool. events. Yeah, one of my friends works there, and she said like they're just killing it. Like people are. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's become a really cool place to hang yeah, out. Yeah, it's kind of long overdue because I feel like it's I know. such a special place. And it, yeah. if you're ever in LA, I really feel like that is a place people should go if you're into this kind of stuff. But yes, that definitely. whole area, the Franklin Hills and like Los Feliz and so forth, like that is where like in the 
early 20th century, a lot of occultists. And I even think that mm-hmm. Theosophical uh, Society mm-hmm. was based there. So, like, I I lived in a in an apartment complex that was that used to be a monastery created by the Theosophical Society. Interesting. And it was it was turned into um it's it's off it was off of Franklin and uh, uh Vista Del Mar. Oh yeah. I don't know if you know that. Area, I do. But, but but it was up that road past the crack dealers. It was, like, <laughs> it was a really cool like apartment. It was all artists living there. I was like 18 or oh, something. Amazing. It was the first place I moved out to when I started working in the movie business. And it was it was an old, uh, 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 I think it was a Theosophical Society ex-monastery that was now run by this kind of slumlord and all these artists were there. It was kind of amazing, but you felt the vibe there. Yes, yes. And it's so many, that's when I, when I lived there is when I had these, the spiritual awakening when I was taking acid right, <laughs> every weekend right. and studying, uh, learning about the occult. It was all around in that area. And man, you felt the vibe. Yeah. You felt the vibe. There, there really is a vibe. Like if you know what you're looking for, like even just the architecture around there, of mm-hmm. the, the homes and the buildings, totally it bad. has in the Ennis Brown house, you know, like up in the hills, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a cult energy going on oh, yeah. throughout yeah. All of you know that eastern part of Los Angeles, and to, in in my opinion, um, in terms of LA, it's my favorite part. It's just I yeah, think yeah. It, I find it so, and it's not like so overdone and yuppie-ish. It's kind of held on no, to yeah. its integrity a little bit <laughs> for now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it yeah. Is changing, and it's got, but <laughs> right, right. But it's also like, especially Hollywood is so you know gritty, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's this weird, uh, you know, there's like sex workers on the street yep. and drugs being sold but there's also this like rich occult history there yeah. too it's strange you know yeah it's a trip yeah well i mean i you know i that's where i perform comedy at like the upright Citizens brigade theater and like improv olympic right in hollywood and i remember when mm-hmm. i first got out there like you know i was like kind of nervous because i was just like a midwest kid i was like hey i'm in la let's do comedy <laughs> but i i was so attracted to the grit and the grime and the seediness where I felt like comfortable weirdly. And I'm not sure why I didn't yeah, feel yeah. scared. I felt like, Ooh, I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always felt like, ah, oh, I don't have any pressure on me to try and be like a normal person in this right. environment. And, that, and that's right. And that's the wonderful thing about LA is like, it's weird. As like you, these people aren't judging me. Hell no. And as weird as you think you are, well, there's 10 people who are way weirder <laughs> totally. all around you. <laughs> I remember one time I was working on, on my first big movie on The Blob, that remake Hell of The yes. Blob. We had a, a shop off of Hollywood Boulevard, and I just, that was around the time a year or so before I got into like punk rock and indie music and stuff. So I had like half my head shaved and I was dressed like all raggedy, you know, yeah. like a punk rocker kind of. And um, I went out and took a break, like a smoke break. And this homeless guy just came up to me and sat down with me and started talking to me. And then I realized, after a few minutes that he thought I was another homeless person. <laughs> and it was like, that was kind of cool in a way. Cause that's what I'm saying. It's like in, in normal situations, I've always, I just don't feel like I don't feel that comfortable in regular society. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I have to, I don't know, present, I have to, you have to have an air of respectability or something. And, and I always felt like in that scene um, among regular people and homeless people and it's like you just you can kind of be yourself and not be judged right. in a way i don't know if that's a weird thing to say no it, i i totally i totally feel you man i like it because like 
you know, any, any kind of city, like, you know, I think probably, I haven't li never lived in rural America, but I bet rural mm -hmm. America is kind of the same way where there's a lot of like less judgment for your appearance. Yeah. And how you dress I think and what so. You drive. But in the city, mm -hmm. I live in Omaha, Nebraska now where I'm originally from. Mm. And you know, it's a city of over a million people and it's still like that. Every city has be kind of become homogenized. Right. And there yeah, is yeah. like a high society part of this, you know, like, and I, yeah. Like the norm, like rich normies are the hardest people for me to like talk to. I have nothing in common. Yeah, with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know. You know, I, know I'm not interested mean. in real estate deals or you know financial yeah. opportunities. <laughs> 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 oh man! Yeah, it's like the only reason I want money is so I can keep painting. Exactly. It's seriously it. Exactly. I just want to do my art. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that. I stuff. hear you, man. Well, art and commerce is one of the most difficult, like uh yeah things in the world but you know what you you, you figure it out and you figured it out man yep. you're, you know you're very successful and doing incredible um thanks so i noticed and you talk about in the documentary how you make music as well and then i noticed a lot of the music that was in the documentary was made by you and i want to say your brother am i right about that uh no that was my brother okay. a, a, a guitar player yeah he and an, another friend of mine uh josh breckenridge has a band called with our arms to the sun. I think we used some of his music. I would have, I would have loved to create the music, but I just didn't have time. Yeah. Cause that was a uh, music was from probably, I think I started learning to play the guitar around 16 or 17 and up until, uh, I don't know, uh, late twenties mm -hmm. or 30 or so. I finally gave it up cause I was trying to, I was trying to, I wasn't doing visual art at all. I had the day job in effects and I wanted to be, you know, a musician, uh, uh, a songwriter really. Mm -hmm. And so, cause I was really into writing music right. and recording music. And, um, you know, I, I, I got, we got to a point where I, rec I recorded an album with my band and then the, ba the band broke up for the last time. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta move on right. to something else. This has been 10 years, but I gave, you know, uh, I gave the CD, I met Jello Biafra Holy from shit. the Dead Kennedys. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's awesome, and uh, and he loved it. He he, you know, and Jello's known for not lying. He he he'll he won't lie about anything. He he will he has to tell the truth. It's like a thing with him. Yeah. So if he didn't like it, he would say something, and he said he thought it was really really good. So that was like, oh, I didn't I never made it in music, but Jello said my album was really really good so i'm good i mean look if you were a punk rock kid and the lead singer of the dead candies yeah compliments you, i mean you're taking that to heart man that's kind of as good as it gets you know yeah i know right at that point you're like well what more can i do with music i'm done moving on to paint. yeah right i did this i so conquered true. music yeah. <laughs> totally, uh, man. um before we move too far away from the uh you know, the subject of your, of, you know, cause like, you know, Chet, everyone, you know, kind of got your start professionally in the art world, um, through visual effects. Mm -hmm. Right. And weren't yeah. you just like a teenager? Yeah. How, that is so, so that is so wild. I've been, you know, I've worked on plenty of movies where, and I've, you know, a lot of times the effects teams on set, I've never seen anyone like probably under 30. <laughs> like how the hell, I was all, how yeah. the hell that happened? <laughs> I was always the young kid for sure. I was, I, I say that often that, um, I used to be the youngest one in my peer group, and now I'm the oldest one right. for some reason. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I, I know I'm happens. older than you. It's like, <laughs> I used to be the young one, but, um, 
I started, you know, I got interested. I used to make movies mm-hmm. at, at, when I was nine years old. I found my dad's Super 8 movie camera. I got, I always loved movies. I loved horror movies. Um, so I used to make movies. And then I saw um, Dawn of the Dead in 1978, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, my God, I have to learn. I couldn't believe what I was seeing with the makeup and the gore stuff. And um, so I started just trying to learn that going to the library because there was no Internet and checking out any books I could find on theatrical makeup. And I just started teaching myself that. And um, the more I did it, the more I started getting the sculpting and I sculpted my first mask when I was 12 or 13. So I was just like totally into it all throughout my childhood and um, throughout high school. I was like getting serious about trying to, to get a career. So I kept making things and taking photos. So I'd have a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And um, I met a, a friend of my brother's friend who I'm still friends with now named Jim Beinke, who um, he's in the documentary. And uh, <clears throat> he used to hire me when I was 15 to work just to help him oh, man. work on like this movie nomads and this movie, uh, just weird. Uh, the, the Wraith with Charlie Sheen Hell yes, on, on the motorcycle. <laughs> Yeah, on the on the suit, yeah, the guy wearing his helmet and stuff. I loved that so, movie as a kid. <laughs> yeah, Holy shit. so yeah, I worked out. That was one of my first movies, but I was like a kid, and uh, you know, he did makeups at Magic Mountain Halloween Haunt. He would just <gasps> hire me for little little jobs. So I was working at a pretty young age. My mom would let me ditch school and drive me up to Hollywood and drop me off at his place, and I'd work the weekend or work for a few days during the week. But um, yeah, and I just got a job as soon as I graduated. And then for like a year, I kind of was too much of a chicken to go and show my portfolio around. And I ended up inadvertently showing uh, a guy named Tony Gardner who hired me. And then I got in the industry and I was working there for 10 years. And then I went to a couple other shops right. before I was, yeah. before I couldn't take it. Anymore. I, I remember, I can't, <laughs> I, I, I can't remember someone like someone in the documentary mentions like, yeah, he was just like a teenager. And the next thing you know, he's, he's going over to Italy to work on a movie. I'm like, how the <laughs> hell? Like, I was such an immature teenager. I would have, like, probably died of a drug overdose, like, in, in the first 24 hours. You know, like. I was too much of a nerd. Well, that's for good, that. though. But, I mean, are you kind of, were you, like, you know, like, I, I guess this is an assumption on my part. But, like, it seems like you were kind of one of those teenagers who was, like, maybe a little bit more mature. And ready for something like that because at fifteen or sixteen, there is no way. I mean, I, I got fired from my job at a bagel shop, mowing lawns. I mean, like I couldn't hold a job, even though I, I kept on trying to have them because I. Yeah, but money. you didn't want to. But you didn't want to be making bagels or mowing the That's lawn. True. You know? That's if true. You had an acting gig. <laughs> yeah. You might have taken it. No, more you're right about that. That's a good point. That's a good point. But seriously, I mean, how were you ready for that? I I don't know. I I've always been able to as much as I'm, you know, I've I've always been very shy. I I can only speak in interviews now because it's something I worked hard on, mm-hmm. but I was really shy, like the shyest person out of any of the kids when I was growing up. Right. Like I didn't even like to answer the phone or talk to people or buy candy. Aww. I was like shy to give the guy money for candy. It was like really bad. And um <clears throat> so but when I wanted to, when I wanted something, uh, and I really wanted to learn how to do this makeup stuff, I was willing to overcome. I would just do it anyway, right? Because it's almost like the desire to do this thing is greater than my fear of doing it. So, you know, when when the opportunities came around, I would just take them and not think about, oh my god, I've never been in an airplane before, and I'm going to go to Italy. <laughs> 
Bye, mom. <laughs> it was like, I'm, I've, ne- I've never been outside of California before. And now I'm going to Italy. Oh, my Lord. It was crazy. So I just did it because I knew that was, you know, I was excited to be working on a movie. And, um, you know, like I said, I was a nerdy. I was very focused. I was always able yeah. to focus on things that I wanted to do, creative things. You know, I just loved it so much. Oh, that's so wonderful. And like, I mean, I don't know. It just kind of shocked me when I heard that, you know, in the movie, I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's <laughs> so wild. You know, like just, and there are certain kids who are just, I don't know if it's being an old soul, but I think you're right. I think you kind of uh, crystallized it for me when you said focus, you were just so focused to do this yeah, thing. Yeah. That you and were, obsessive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I could get, I could get obsessive. obsessive. Yeah, yeah. I would get like if I, I if I liked something like when I got into movie making, I just never did anything casually. I would yeah. always find a thing I liked and I would just totally get into it. I was into motorcycle riding at a certain period of my childhood and I didn't just ride motorcycles. I started wanting to get into racing. Yeah. So I did. You know, I started getting into racing and that was around the time I got into makeup effects. And that so it's like when I I guess when I wanted to do something, I just would I have this kind of obsessive nature. And, and I just have to get really into it. Same when I got, you know, older, I got into computer animation because that seemed like a fun right. thing to do. And I just got totally obsessed with it. And, uh, you know, it's it's a good thing if you can direct that yes. in a healthy way, you know? Totally. And I think it's served you pretty well, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, another, um, and I'm sorry for keep on mentioning things in the documentary uh you know and, and the, you these are not spo- david lynch yeah. <laughs> you can mention the documentary yeah, i don't okay. care it's totally the, cool these are not me. spoilers people at all i um, the documentary is, is <laughs> documentary has been out for a long time if you haven't seen it now yeah well you i think you I, I think everyone will watch it if they have not seen it you know unless you're an idiot uh but one thing that really stuck out to me is your mother taught you this um technique called and i think i'm getting it right creative visualization yeah, yeah, creative visualization. I found that very fascinating. And, you know, I mean, visualizing and stuff like that, you know, I think that's become a little more mainstream nowadays. And mm-hmm. people have different techniques of doing it. But at a young age, that really is kind of a form of magic where you're trying to yeah, bend randomness, you know, and bend reality to your will. Absolutely. So was that kind of the first, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. And when I say magic, I mean, I don't mean it with a negative connotation. <laughs> like, you know, oh, that yeah, yeah, normies no. would think. I think magic is beautiful. I, I have dabbled with chaos magic myself. Mm-hmm. But what is the, the process that your mother kind of taught you? And my second part of the question is, do you still do it? Uh, yeah, I definitely still do it. I just, you know, I... I um... I, I do different techniques now, like sigil magic. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll do sigils and, and, but, um, but I, I, I guess that's kind of the basis for any of that kind of, um, uh, magical work or whatever you want to call it is, is visualizing. And, uh, I've got a super vivid imagination. So, so it suits me in that way, right? you know? Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't a weird thing. Cause my, like I said, my, our houses were haunted. It was like, we talked about this stuff. It wasn't weird in our house right. at all. And my mom was always kind of into this stuff and into new age stuff. So, um, you know, creative visualization is basically, uh, magic f- f- in the new age, uh-huh. you know, it's a new age version of magic. It's kind of like pared down and a little more mainstream uh-huh. and, and, uh, not as scary, I guess it's more like white light. She was sure. kind of the white light uh-huh. type. And, um, 
Yeah, she just taught me. It's basically the stuff you see in the secret. Remember the secret that it's Absolutely. that sort that angle, and it was like, you know, she just, you know, I haven't even thought about it, but how she taught me, but, um, she, you know, it was it was about visualizing the thing ha- have being done already and thinking like I have this thing or I am this thing or, and and just quieting your mind down and picturing it in your mind, the result you want and just focusing, focusing your attention on that for long periods of time, as long as you can do it for. And, uh, and so when I, it was like, she taught me how to do it. I read this book called creative visualization that I may have gotten from her. It's from this. It's a call. Uh, the, uh, author is called Shakti Gawain, I believe. And, um, and so that was like a big book for me. It explained how to have different techniques of doing, um, visualization. And I would just do it when I needed money and stuff yeah. <laughs> and I would always get it. Really? You know? Yeah. It's like, I, cause I needed money. Cause my mom was, didn't have money. We didn't have money. I didn't grow up having money. So it was like, if I needed plaster or latex for a mask or something, you know, I couldn't, ask my parents really because they didn't have any money but i would like visualize on getting oh, i need 200 dollars, and so i'd visualize it and i would get it right every time it was a trip and i was like oh this this works right right <laughs> and uh yeah yeah and i just kind of kept doing it throughout my life you know especially when there was something i really wanted that seemed kind of unlikely like having a career as a monster painter yeah <laughs> things like that <laughs> it seemed like not very likely <laughs> so uh yeah and so i would i remember when i was when i just made the decision to to be an artist and i really wanted to get out of effects badly at that point i would every night when i was laying in bed i'd be like i'm a i i forget what the i'm a successful what did i say a successful fine artist or something i don't uh-huh. know i would kind of repeat that i would imagine what it was like I would feel the feeling of attaining that goal, just that. But I would do it every night, right? every night for months and months. So it becomes like a discipline almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it works. It worked. That's what that was, you know, the idea also was like, I'm going to prove this Joseph Campbell thing. If you follow your bliss and the, you know, the Joseph Campbell, yes. follow your bliss, the doors, doors will open yeah. that were previously closed or whatever. I was like, if I can make it doing monsters, monster paintings and that will prove yeah the, the theory i mean you, you, know? cut, so you I, have <laughs> I proved it. And then some. so everybody everybody who doesn't believe the joseph campbell follow your bliss theory i proved it so you go did do it. it's done fact <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> there's not many more unlikely things than becoming an oil painter of monsters and dark stuff i mean it's, it's especially when i started in 2000 it's nearly like, impossible you know <laughs> there, was, there was no galleries yeah. there was no market for it well e- even now where there is like a bigger market for it, you know where people need like you know online work done and like you know i i hire artists to do stuff for my podcast or other mm-hmm. projects i'm doing and I, it's great because i feel like there is more avenues for artists to monetize their work a little bit definitely but that, yeah, it also true. means there's more artists trying to do it so the competition yeah, is probably yeah, a lot true. greater but i do think yeah. it's wonderful like you know fuck ai you know it's yeah. <laughs> god man i know and eventually yeah. they're gonna try to you know take my likeness and you know make it into a mailman on a sitcom but you know what, what can i do i know but until then it's you so... know shake my shake my fist at them <laughs> People, I, I really think that the more synthetic reality becomes with AI and things like that, they're fun 
toys to play yeah. with and there and there can be good tools for a creator Absolutely. too. Like like I do this my podcast if if I have um uh I can go through this the AI editing software. You can edit the 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 video with text. Right. It transcribes it and you can cut out sentences and it just cuts it the video. Oh. It's really amazing. And um you can go and th- you could tell it to delete all the ums and uhs and it will just do it and it'll then it's edited already edited so so as a tool yeah it's called descript oh wow but anyway as a tool ai can be really useful um but but as far as like the main way to create art i just think that the more uh it's just like analog synths came back yeah you know analog even is more of a real thing than a than digital sense you know yep. it's like people crave real things they and do. realness and i think that the more things get synthetic and plastic the more there's going to be a, a desire to see real actors and uh-huh. painters and musicians live yep. and stuff like that i think it's they're going to want it more i i, I think i think it's going to blow up in their faces i think all these places yeah. <laughs> they're like going all in on ai because i think you're a hundred percent right and if you even look at like the millennial millennial kids and gen z kids are now back into buying physical media they're into buying blu-rays because they're so sick of streamers taking stuff off or they don't want to pay the high fees but they're even buying cassette tapes and vinyls i know vinyl's been big for like you know it kind of had a resurgence 20 years ago but i mean and i find myself doing it too where i am now buying more physical media than i have in the last decade and it is because it's nice to have it in your hand. It's nice yep. to see because, like, a lot of like you know what drew me to be. I love B movies and like you know B horror movies. Oh yeah, and a lot of it as a kid was the covers, the posters. Oh yeah, I would mm-hmm. look at them. I would be intoxicated by the posters. I always thought B movie posters were far superior to like Hollywood studio posters. It's, yeah, definitely. They're more interesting, <laughs> and I feel like because they yep. have to draw you in that way because they don't have like a you know, marketing money, you know, so right, they right, really right. relied on that stuff. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I, 100%. I do think physical media is coming back and I don't think there's any stopping it. And I, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, think about, think about an art show nowadays, an oil, an art show of oil paintings. It's so archaic. Yeah. It, there's no need for oil paintings. If you, you know, we have photography that it, you don't have to have it, but, people still go to art galleries yeah. to art shows. And especially in the scene I'm in, it's not like all these fancy rich people. It's like regular people. Yeah. It's like art kind of for regular people and regular people um, still need art yes. and they want to see it in person. Mm-hmm. And you, and you kind of have to see it in person. Yeah. It's different than seeing it on a phone or something, right. you know? And so there's that, I think there's always going to be, as long as we're human, there's going to be that desire to have a real experience. I agree. You know, I agree. And even with the movie theater, it's like, you know, there's something about walking mm-hmm. in, in, in the, especially like going to a movie, there, there's ritual of magical aspects about it. Like you get in your car, you travel to this place, you yep. print the ticket, they rip the ticket. That's part of the ritual. Then you yep. walk into a dark movie theater, which is like <laughs> a portal to another world. And yeah, it really is. And it's a shared yeah. experience with people. And I feel like yep. yeah. desire that, you know, like, that's why plays and Definitely. concerts will always be powerful. I don't think those will ever go yep. away. If they do, then we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't it's either. just too, too, we, we need it. We do. We need it too badly. Yeah, we need it like air and water. 
Yep. And pizza. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, I, I have to go back just because I'm a paranormal junkie and love it. That You, you mentioned yeah, that you me had too. some hauntings as a child with some of the house you lived in. Can you, mm-hmm. can you share a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, um, I you know the first house I was a baby, so I don't remember any of it. But I I know the story from my stories from my families, my family members. My sister used to see a lot. It was mostly my sister and mother would see things. Um, she they saw my sister told my mom she saw an old man and a little kid on the ceiling one time. Uh, one time she was. Uh, I just got corrected on this because I I used to tell the story that she was poked by knitting needles, but she told me she told me the other day. I wasn't poked. They just came across the room and hit me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she was apparently she was sitting in a room. She said she remembers it vividly. She just put the new monkeys album on and it was playing the, that band, the yeah. monkeys and the closet door was open where the knitting stuff was. And she said, she just felt something hit her on the back and there was, it was these knitting needles. And wow. she got all pissed off and went to my mom and my brother was like, why are you throwing stuff at me? Like she thought they were messing with her and they were like, what are you talking about? Um, that's kind of like a famous one in my family. There was a, a, a door. Um, and my sister just told me about this cause I saw her recently. Um, there was a door that, you know, a locked door that we would lock before we left the house and it kept being open. By the time we got back, there was, you know, we brought the dog in to make sure that no one had broken in, but it was like one of those things where it was locked boxes up against the door from the other side, but somehow still it was open and, um, and it happened. Uh, I think it happened repeatedly. There's all kinds of stuff. One time. And, and then the other house we w- moved to was also haunted. Um, <clears throat> that's the one where I, I remember stuff. And one of the things I remember um, was my mother telling me that she was going to my brother's bedroom to, to uh, give him clothes that she had folded and she opened his bedroom door and he pushed it shut and said, sorry, and shut it on her. And she's like, that's strange that he would do that. And she, she walked back and then he was coming up the front door. He was outside, just walked in the house. And so she looked and there's nobody in the room. So she said, she saw a hand close the door on her and say, sorry. Whoa. And, And, there, but there was a lot of stuff like, and it was, like I said, it was kind of commonplace. It wasn't, right. that, it was, it was just in our family. It's like, I, I felt like my mom's side of the family specifically was just connected. It was like my mom uh, uh, had two sisters and my sister, it's like the females uh-huh. on my mom's side of the family had this kind of connection with this paranormal stuff and, and that's really interesting to me because i i do wonder sometimes if there is a co-creative aspect to mm-hmm. this stuff like i wonder if like let's just for example like if i moved into you know one of the houses that right. were haunted i i've never really experienced a confirmational weird experience i mm-hmm. i wonder if it would just be like well nothing would happen to me i wonder if it takes the you know some certain different ingredients where it's like this place is a thin area where stuff can come through. But yeah, maybe yeah. it takes certain people to yeah, have it. Like, I think manifest. so. I think so because my wife also uh, has, since she was a kid has been seeing, she's not crazy. Right, right. <laughs> she's been, but she's been seeing ghosts and stuff since she was a kid. Right. And, um, and I've had experiences, you know, fairly recently, even where she's, we're laying in bed and it's dark and she's like, do you see that figure over there Whoa. <laughs> up in the corner? And I'm like, 
no. Uh, and she's like, try and look. It's right up there by the corner. It's just kind of the shape. And I just, I can't see it. And it's like, she's sure it's there. And she's had all kinds of things like that. Uh, it's just not, it's, and she's not even into this stuff. She's like, right. I don't want to see him. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but she's, she's one of those people that ever since she was a little kid and she saw this boogeyman. Yeah. I think I talk about it in the documentary. Yeah, you she do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she saw that when she was a little kid and, and her friend who she was with at the time was like, didn't see it, but she remembers she was terrified and freaking and out. And that is, that is really common with this stuff, even with UFOs where some people will see like I blatant like, you know, flying saucer, you know, that's a quarter mile long that's hovering above them. And then the other, like two other people just like, wait, what are you talking about? I don't see that. I know. And that's the, that's what trips me out is like, I think it's so cool that these, all of these things are being tied together mm-hmm. now because like, they're somehow related. I agree. They're somehow related. And it's, and it's strange because before it seemed like UFOs were yes. a science fiction thing uh-huh. and then ghosts were like a creepy paranormal supernatural yep. thing. But the, I think the more that we discover and, and Bigfoot was like a cryptid right. thing, but it's like the more we learn about all this stuff and like Skinwalker Ranch Absolutely. and all that stuff, it's like they're connected somehow. It, it, you know, I feel like if you're not thinking like that, then you're ignoring some patterns that are glaringly clear to me because, right, you know, right. there's, I live in Nebraska. It, it is flat. There's not a lot of forests, but there's Bigfoot sightings here. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, and like yeah, where yeah, there's yeah. Bigfoot sightings. Well, it just so happens people see orange balls of light fly around quite often. Yeah. And yeah, they see yeah. weird apparitions <laughs> of like a carnival going across a country road. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, we, I'm, and I try to tell people who aren't into this stuff and they think I'm even crazier, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm like, I'm like, you have to look at these things, whether you like what, you know, these patterns are showing you, you, you can't ignore them. And I feel like nowadays there is like, you know, communities in the paranormal and a lot of the people I kind of like run around with or talk to often are definitely kind of like moved past like the extraterrestrial hypothesis right, or that yeah, ghosts yeah. are just dead people. And, may, right. and, and, and they could be all the above, but for right. some some reason, I kind of like feel, or maybe it's the idea I like the most, that these things are just different little movies and different d- displays. Sometimes you'll see a Bigfoot. Sometimes you'll see a flying saucer. Sometimes right. you'll see your dead granny in your attic. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but I don't necessarily think they're all separate, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's some connection. It's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, we have no idea. We have no idea. Uh, you know, it's fun to to talk about ideas. And I think that the more we discuss them and, you know, the more people are like seriously considering it, I think that little by little we start connecting the dots a little bit. Um, I don't know. To me that the whole uh, Skinwalker Ranch thing was kind of a revelation, uh-huh. like the, the that show. Right. Uh, you, you had a, you were in a movie. Right? I was, yeah. I tried to make a movie about it like 13 years ago. You made ago. the movie. I did make the movie. Yeah. It, it didn't turn out exactly like I wanted it to because I was beholden to some, you know, financiers, yeah. but like, no, I, I made an honest effort trying to make the movie yeah, and it turned out, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the, you know, the documentary about mm-hmm. it and, and the, and the TV show. And it's like, uh, I, I've read a lot about it and it's like, that was you know, I was like, oh, I, I feel like this maybe is true. Yeah. That there is this weird connection between, cause the Skinwalker Ranch thing was like all these different types of weird right. events all in one place. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, that makes sense to me somehow. I don't know how, but it makes, makes more sense than these random things. Uh, I don't know. The, the alien idea of aliens flying through space in a spaceship just seems, doesn't seem likely. It yeah. seems more like dim, extra dimensional mm-hmm. something or other, maybe right. in, in, in the way that all of this stuff is maybe extra dimensional. Right. Cause we do know that there's probably uh, more dimensions. Yeah. There, there are more dimensions than we could see. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there, there's all kinds of theories that like hint around, like maybe there's a spectrum that runs alongside of us that sometimes these things can manifest you know, and like what, what, and, and, and like, I think the thing is like, while we're not getting any closer to the answer, I don't think, and I actually kind of feel like there is, it's not meant to be solved like a puzzle. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually part of our evolution to make us, I, I, again, I think mystery is, Could be. I think mystery is like the, is like needed, like the air that we breathe. Cause if right. all the mysteries were solved in the world, like what's the point then? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, what's yeah, the absolutely. point of science or even doing math or any, anything, right. you know? So I feel like it's just almost kind of like this, like, Hey, you know, you think the, your consensus reality is just, you know, one way. Well, we're going to throw in a, this crazy phenomenon to make you, you kind of right. <laughs> mess your world up a little bit, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, what if, uh, what if it's like these anomalies for whatever reason, in whatever way are, are visible to us and the closest things are puny brain can relate to what it actually is, is a Bigfoot. Yeah or an alien in a spaceship, but it's something way beyond either I, of those things. I think you're right. I think it's way you know more I mean? complex. And we're like filling in, we're filling in the, our brains are filling in the blank sure. because we can't do it any other right. way. You know what I mean? Right. And, and we can't understand it. It's so beyond the scope of human understanding that we're like making it something we can kind of understand. So it's still there, but maybe we're projecting onto it some, a, 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 a uh, uh, shapes and, right. and ideas that we can kind of comprehend in our mind. I think you're totally, totally onto something because I think as humans, we, no matter what, I mean, our brains are just wired to try to make sense out of all the stimuli coming in. We have right. filtration systems, you know, in our brain, like we don't see everything like, you know, oh, we, right. we experience a very little part of the actual real reality, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yep. so if, if one was to able to put on these magical glasses that you could see all of reality, well, there may be flying saucers and Bigfoot and ghosts running right. around all the time, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Everywhere. There's one sitting Yeah, it would be like, right a, it would be like an HP Lovecraft book where at mm-hmm. the end you stare up into the abyss and you go mad. It, it probably yeah. would be something like that where you just right. go absolutely bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, th- that's, that's what kind of what happens when you take psychedelics it too. Is. It's like the filters... Uh, uh, you're fil- you have less of a filter on reality and you're getting more color right. and sounds and yep. you're s- hallucinating and, and it's like you're seeing more of reality and it's like how that's what schizophrenic people are probably uh-huh. is people that don't have the filter that same filter and they're seeing more and it's like that's no way to live yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you know yeah. it's not good for evo- it's not good for not evolution it's not good for survival in the wild totally you know what I mean? Yeah, because while you know, I feel like trip, you know, tripping on you know mushrooms or wh- whatever your uh, preferences, I think it is like a good life experience, and like just to kind of peel mm-hmm. back the layers and you know see like because maybe that world is the more real world, <laughs> and we're mm-hmm, experiencing right. like 
a you know diet version of that you know which is a little right. bit lesser than <laughs> but maybe that's okay because if you were going around in life tripping constantly like i feel like there's no way to function <laughs> oh yeah that's like i said yeah that's that's crazy people on the street yeah. yelling yep. you know that's what it would be like you can't function in this reality with that i think so too um you know one thing i really got from watching your documentary and even like looking at your work you are an incredibly like positive person and like mm. really like i mean like i you know i'm not trying to like i don't know you personally but like i feel like you're a real sweetie pie <laughs> you know well because you seem like such a nice like really sweet person and it's funny because like it, i think if people were to look at your art and then like make us make assumptions about you and not that your art like your art the thing is like it's dark art right and it, it's mm. it's dealing with some like you know shadow self kind of stuff which mm -hmm. i love i feel like dealing with your shadow self is a very healthy thing to do yeah totally but i think there's no violence about it it's they're not violent they're not like gory they're mm -hmm. not like they don't scare me to death you know like right but like do you think through your art and kind of your esoteric and occult studies that's kind of giving you like an attitude towards life that is positive yeah i mean i've always been that way i've always been a nice person yeah i can tell <laughs> i've always tried i've always tried to be and i've always been you know very sensitive to other people being hurt or especially animals getting hurt i know yeah. i've talked about in the documentary it's like my friends would shoot birds and i would cry yeah i just was like not that kind of person and it just killed me like hurt me to see that and um so it's in a way it's maybe it's just the way i am but um uh i don't it's yeah, it's kind of in the same way that I'm in the monsters and painting this stuff. I'm that way, too. Mm -hmm. It's like it just kind of feels like naturally. I just can't understand why wouldn't anybody why wouldn't everybody be as nice as they can be? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems so you seem like a nice guy. It's like it just Pretty seems nice like the way to be. And it's not that hard, you know, maybe which makes me think that, you know, people that aren't kind are probably suffering. Maybe I think so. And so it's like they're going they have so much pain that they're not acknowledging that maybe it makes them assholes. I, I think you're right. You know, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, I also, the, you know, from a, an artistic point point of view, I like I like that about my art is that it is kind of dark on the surface. But but I've always I always try and put like a certain amount of pathos in there. And it just comes out that way. Like most of the things I paint. I feel like sympathetic to them, yeah. you know, like I almost feel bad for them. Right. Like they're, you know, like n I'm not like trying to make you go, Ooh, it's more like trying to make you go, Oh, yeah, well, you know, you know, what? Well, uh, often, <laughs> so I'm, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them, I, I'm trying to do that. Well, you know, know, I, I did like a rabbit, you know, rabbit hold your, uh, your work and looked at a ton of your stuff and, you know, watched the documentary, but I, I found myself smiling and kind of grinning mm. and even chuckling sometimes because <laughs> that's I, a, yeah. I feel like there is a humorous side to your work. Definitely. Which I, don't know, a, yeah, I don't know if that's intentional, but maybe it sounds like maybe it is a little bit. It's it's just natural. Like, like my artwork, you know, coming out of the film industry, it was such a, a, an art directed job where I was being told what to do. Art for me was like, okay, painting for me. And my own art was like, I'm going to be pure and real and just, do what I do and not try and make it a certain way. And this is the way it comes out. It's like, 
it's funny. It's got a funny element uh-huh. to it. And it's got, sometimes it has like a sweetness to it. And someone told me one time it was romantic and I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, there is a romantic element to it in some way, but I always try to make them beautiful. Right. That's my main goal. And the idea, the dichotomy, um, of taking something that most people would be afraid of or something that's kind of ugly and trying to make it beautiful in the way that it's executed technically and atmospherically, Mm -hmm. that's like super fun for me. And I really like that. I like that. I like that dichotomy where it's like, even if you're not into it, you have, you can't deny that there's a beauty about it, you know, because everything's kind of set up correctly. um, So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there really is to me kind of like, I mean, it's not like my, I, I shouldn't say it's my favorite kind of comedy because, you know, I don't really have a favorite kind of comedy, but there is kind of like a gallows humor quality to your work. Yeah. Where, like, sure. you know, I, I always like, you know, in, in my fantasy, like, you know, on my, my last day on earth or whatever, like I'm about ready to be hung like in a, in a movie or something like that. I hope my last words are something hilarious. Yeah, about yeah. the situation <laughs> of what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, yeah, make yeah, a yeah, joke yeah. about why these assholes are hanging me. Or, you know, just for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for me, there feels like this kind of, like, gallows humor quality, which I always feel like gallows humor is such a brave way <laughs> to be, and I love it. <laughs> so when you can laugh in the face of death, I think it's, you know, just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think I, I definitely express a lot of gallows humor in my everyday life, and um yeah definitely it reflects itself in the uh in the artwork mm-hmm. i mean i was always into like monty python when yeah. i was a kid they used to play that on tv on this on on the public in the 70s i'm talking Whoa. like you know you're seeing boobs and stuff it was weird <laughs> <laughs> when you're a kid it was like how's channel nine showing boobs yeah. but it was like i just totally got that weird often there's a lot of gallows humor and monty python too oh, yeah. it's a lot of his absurdist but there's a lot of like pretty dark stuff in there for sure and, and uh and like harold and Maude, i always thought was oh, like an amazing movie yeah. one of my favorite movies yep. and one flew over the cuckoo's nest so it's like i'm kind of from that era and um uh i guess you know again that's just it's my sense of humor um and uh i don't know it's like i said it just comes out that way not not much about my art is intentional it's more like I'm trying to express myself as as purely as I can. Right. Is, is what I'm trying to do. And trying to make something that I that's fun to paint and that I would like to see. That's mainly it. Well, you're succeeding then, because, it, it, you know, like it's, it's something you want to see, but it's something I want to see, you know, and like I think. <laughs> well, that's, you know, yeah, like, that's the dream yeah. is that you make with artists. You make the art, make the art you want to see, and then you find the others that want to see it. Right. You know, and that's the that's the ultimate thing where you're not like trying to make it a certain way so that people that you can't really relate to will like it. Yeah, that's no fun. No, it isn't. (laughs) And like with art, you know, I remember I've had like, you know, managers and agents who are like, well, the next thing you write, really, we would like you to try something that hits a really wide swath of an audience. The flyover states, as they like to say. And I'm like, first off, I'm like, dude, I'm from a flyover state. Like uh, people like the same shit everywhere. You know, like they want good stuff. But when you're trying, right. to, you know, in Hollywood, the entertainment industry, there's such a push to make something that as many people can enjoy as possible. And for me, I've never, I don't possess that talent that doing like, yeah, me. writing. I can write 
very niche stuff that maybe 900 people will, will enjoy. But yeah, I also, I'm the same it, way. It does cheapen like to me when you're like, well, the next album I make, it, you know, it, it need, I, I need like millions of people to like it to feel successful. I mean, like, that, yeah, I, like, right. that's the counterintuitive too. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, I, that's just like, I don't think true artists feel that no, way. No. That's why it's like hard for me to really, when they call mega superstars, when they refer to them as artists, I'm always kind of like, are they though? Are they though? Yeah, buddy, I'm the same. Trust me, I get it. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe there are, maybe they are that person. Their art is that thing that's totally popular. And and in that case, I'm all for it. Do it. That's cool. That's who you are as an artist, Mm -hmm. so you should do it. But, uh, I don't know. So a lot of it doesn't seem that way to me. Yeah, I I, I can't think of an example of how. They... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is so much fun. I just have a couple, just a you know, a couple more questions for you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've been so nice to no loan me all this time already. But do no you problem. kind of like because what you do for a living and what you do, you know, just because you have to do it as an artist, you are tapping into the imaginal realms quite a mm-hmm. bit do you think or do you see a relationship between the imaginal realms and the paranormal realms oh yeah for sure yeah I, I, again i don't know what the connection is but they are somehow connected uh-huh. they are somehow connected i really i feel that um i mean that's the way that people get communicated with yeah. through whatever these things are it's it's through through your dreams which is your imagination or uh uh thoughts you know you always hear that people that have had like um mystical experiences they kind of feel like they're getting something in their mind which is where the imagination lives you know um so absolutely and 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 i think art is a way of of maybe um is a way of maybe connecting with that imaginal paranormal thing. And, and and I think that when you're, I think that when you're doing or making art of any kind and you're really connected to that thing, that you are invoking the thing, you know, like you're saying how you're, you always want the thing to happen to Mm -hmm. you. You're, you're hoping that you see the ghost and it never comes. I think that's what, you know, in the same way that, through magic, if you really wanted to, you could probably perform some crazy ass rituals and see something. Right. But it's like a lot of work and it's scary as shit. It's so scary as shit. Yeah. But, but, totally. but, but artwork, I creating artwork is another way that you can connect with that thing. You may not see the spirit, but you know, maybe the thing I'm painting is the spirit of the, I, the idea right. it's the spirit of the thing. And so I'm, you know, Alex Gray said that. I don't know if it's in the documentary or in the bonus features of the documentary, but he he made this observation about my work, which I was so appreciative of. And I also had never thought of it before. He's saying, like, it feels like these beings want to be want or need to be seen right now. Ah. And they're like telling him that he has to paint them because they they need to be seen right now for some reason. That's fascinating. And it's like it's such a cool idea, whether it's true or not. Right. But I love but it. I, but, but I, I feel that way for some reason. Why would I be painting this stuff? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it, for, it, it wants to be, if you believe in the art spirit, it wants to be expressed. 
and it wants to be expressed in the way I'm doing it because I really am doing it for real. I'm really, it's important to me that it's real and pure and true. So, so I'm not bullshitting with my artwork. You know what I mean? I'm not doing it to get attention or right. try and get famous. It's like, I'm really trying to be the, the, the best um, vessel for this thing that I can to honor it. And if that's, and if, and if you believe in the art spirit, then s- these things want to be seen yeah. for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know why, you know, I, I wonder, <laughs> and this is just kind of a thought experiment, or actually, let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard, is anyone like, you know, a fan or someone who's purchased your art or someone who just, you know, has gone to your shows or whatever, like who knows your work? Have they, mm-hmm. have you ever heard, I mean, this is kind of woo woo and out there, right? But like, mm-hmm. have you ever heard of someone rep- like actually seeing a manifestation of one of the characters from your paintings? I haven't, I haven't, but I made a Ouija board, a dystopia Ouija board for a Kickstarter award, okay. the, the, uh, like a talking board that's kind of, and the idea was, and I want to do these for this, for, for the holidays this year, if I Ooh. can get them manufactured cheaply, because I did them as kind of like an expensive reward where they're hand or not hand, but they're like CNC machine sure. engraved with a glass <gasps> top. They're really cool. Beautiful. And I made a planchette out of the, um, like a dystopia planchette. And um, the idea is you can communicate with the beings of dystopia, all the beings in my paintings through the Ouija board. So I haven't heard anybody say anything yet, yeah. but, but, but I want to do it like more on a bigger scale, more affordable. Cause I think people probably just, these ones were a couple hundred bucks. So they're like, probably just treat them as art pieces right. and hang them up. And there wasn't a ton of them. There was only like 10 or something right. that sold. Uh, but if you sold a bunch of them and then you had a, a website or something where people could say what the, you know, who, which characters they talk to, yeah. that would be so cool. It would be really cool because I mean, like, <laughs> I honestly, like, I mean, please report back to me if you hear, hear something, but I'd be really interested because I, I was thinking, I kept on thinking about that when I was watching the documentary for a second time that I, oh, I wonder if anyone, cause I, I would, I would guess that people who are maybe not all your fans, but like a lot of people who are into your stuff are into the kind of para weirdness and the mm-hmm. paranormal. Yeah. And a lot of them are. Yeah. yeah they sure. kind of inextricably linked in a way, you know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I would be, I, I mean, like I would not be surprised to hear that people start seeing your characters because if you think about it, for a bad example is like the slender man. Well, right. and like kind of all these like kind of like online, like kind of like creepy pasta fake stories. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times people start reporting seeing these things. And obviously some could be people just bullshitting, getting attention. Right, right. But there's some cases that I've read where I'm like, I don't think these people are making this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and again, that's that's that whole the whole high strangeness weirdness thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's and not to say that it's suggestibility and it's not real, but more like maybe it's suggestibility and it is real in some other way that we just don't understand. But, but um, you know, in, in uh, ceremonial magic, there's a, an aspect of uh, uh, calling, contacting spirit, certain spirits. And you're supposed to ask them. I don't, I haven't, I'm like, you know, more of a sigil meditation mm-hmm. guy. I haven't really, I don't really get that's It's too much work right. for me to get into all this stuff. But um, I read about it a lot. And um, uh, you're supposed to ask these spirits questions about occult knowledge. 
to prove that they're who they say they are because other people can come in oh. and or other spirits the theory goes can come in and pretend there's someone mm-hmm. else and just fuck with you and um so i was you know if people contact i'll know i'll know if they actually contacted uh one of those characters right <laughs> only me That's true. <laughs> so it's like so because because i made i they came i made them they came through mm-hmm. me so it's like uh, that's the the idea it'd be so cool if people could post their stories and i'll know the ones that are bullshit and the ones that are real yeah. <laughs> you know well you know i mean it would be it would be interesting and I, i'm not I'm, I'm telling you it would not shock me if i you know get a you know text from you or email saying like dude i can Guess what? <laughs> Someone saw the gas mask, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, man, I think this stuff works in a really weird way. And I think it borrows archetypes and art and all kinds of things yeah. from our imagination. So it truly wouldn't surprise me. And if I see, you know, some kind of, you know, non-human entity, I hope it's from your work. <laughs> they're Jen, most of them are, are nice and misunderstood. Yeah, they're misunderstood. They, they, seem, they seem sweet <laughs> down to their core, you know? Uh, one more question I just want to ask you because I feel like, I mean, this is just me being selfish because I would like to personally see this, but have you ever considered or do you have the desire somewhere down the road to direct a film? Because you have all those. Oh, you, totally. Oh, you man. do. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, so so bad. But I, it's it's one of those things that I'm afraid. You know, I know Guillermo del Toro, and yeah. I know that he has problems getting movies yeah. made, and he's got Academy Awards. Yeah, he's one of the greats. If a guy, yeah, he's one of the greats. If a guy can't like him, can't get a movie made that he wants, you know, yeah, not likely that I would be able to. But it's one of my dreams for sure. Cause even like before makeup effects, I was so into mo- super eight filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I was splicing the film. Right. I was editing it. I was taping it together. Yeah. And, and I'm really, and I'm a huge movie guy. Yeah. Like I, you know, I'm sure you're this way. You watch movies and you look, you appreciate the technical aspects yep. of it and you notice the sound design Absolutely. and you notice the editing and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I'm totally, that's one of my dreams. I mean, one of my dreams is, that's part of the, the idea with the dystopia book. The dystopia book is not, it doesn't have a linear story. It's a, it's like a, 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 a national geographic uh, book guidebook. Uh-huh. It's a guidebook. It's, it's like a, almost like a dungeon master guide. Like it has the characters, what I know about them for sure, what they do, what their purpose is, what part of dystopia they live in. And, and it's like a guidebook for, hopefully in the future it's almost like a bible you know they have those bibles for the movies uh style guides and stuff in the back of my mind i'm thinking this is a cool thing to do for my art just to do because it's a cool idea but it would also function well as a kind of style guide and bible for a movie project a tv series yep i mean you've seen love death and robots oh i love that yes that to me the ultimate thing at least in my head these days is the dystopia tv show done in like the kind of real realistic love death and robots cgi style but to make everything look exactly like the paintings look oh you know what i mean like not take the paintings and make them real but make everything look like the paintings look yeah and i know you can do it because a lot of that stuff in love death and robots was based on uh specific art styles wow you know like the that one that 
I forgot the name of it, but that one, that famous one, the last, I think it's the last one with the woman in the lake. Yes. You know, do you know the one I'm talking about? I'm and she's like, trying to she's, think. she lures a knight into the lake and she's got all this gold on her and she's like screams. Was and, that in the last season? I might not have finished that last season. I don't know. It's the one that everyone was sharing a picture. It was right. the big, most popular one. Anyway, it doesn't matter if you know it or not, but the art director and the guy who's the director and he was an art director, he made it look like his artwork. Wow. So it's got like lines on it, like pencil lines That's and so cool. it, but it looks 3d and it's like, so I know you can do that. I'm looking at the book. Mm-hmm. I'm looking down here at the book. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> what a cover. It's beautiful. Black and gold. Yeah, I'll send you one. If I send me your uh, address. Oh, hell yeah, you dude. Thank you. Um, but I know it can be done. Like to do it in 3D and have it look like the paintings are alive. And that to me, not likely, but you never know. That's my hope. That's my hope. You know, I I have to disagree with you. I think it is likely. I mean, like your work is so impressive and so unique. It's just, it it will take the right person to understand the vision. Yeah, maybe. And also you have to. It's just been so long with the the right person not seeing it. You know what I'm saying? trust me, As far as like. The powerful person that could make something. I know. Like if, that, if you looked at you know if you looked saying? my hard drive with all the uh, unproduced screenplays and, and TV pilots, <laughs> you'd be like, "Oh, Steve, you're a sad man." <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for over two decades, and yeah. it is a, an uphill battle, and it always will be. But I will say, I think the movie industry is about ready to change dramatically, and in in, in a way for the better. Because I think. I think people want to get away from the studio system because there's just mm-hmm. those movies and, you know, I've worked on them and I love, you know, I would still like to cause the paycheck is good and they can't be fun, but they're really movies made by committee. They're made by a lot yeah. of people oh, in yeah. suits who are not artists. They ever I've said that so literally many times. <laughs> everything has to be okayed and approved, but yep. there is this real Avenue for kind of bigger budget films to be independently produced. Like a couple mm-hmm. rich dentists in Chicago, maybe a NBA right. player throws in some money. But yeah, this yeah, is actually, I'm actually watching this happen to some people I know where they're getting like, you know, eight million dollars to make an indie movie, and it's yeah. not one dime is coming from Los Angeles. And so wow. you know, and because so the cool. upside is huge for these financiers, so right. do not give up. I am going to put this out to the universe, and also I will be sending you my uh, audition reel. <laughs> I would <laughs> love to be in a Chet Zar film. I will. I'll be a waiter, you know, with no lines, handing water to the to your characters. <laughs> I don't care. I want to be involved. I'd love to help in any That'd way. Be amazing. Uh, That'd be amazing. Chet, I cannot thank you enough for loaning me your time. I know you're a super busy guy, so taking out this ninety minutes to talk with me, it, it's just a thrill. First off, like I am such a deep fan of your work, and I appreciate. I it. can't <laughs> wait for my listeners who aren't, you know, if you are not aware of his work please go check it out and go watch you can right now Tubi, which i think is a wonderful service they have a lot of great yeah. rare b horror movies and that's yeah me, there's a lot of good stuff it really is there. things i thought that were lost forever are now mm-hmm. on Tubi. but you can find this movie for free on Tubi, and it is so wonderful chet's are i like to paint monsters just search that yes. and that and that will come up you will find it not only that if you are an artist yourself you will find this so deeply inspiring and like when i watched the watched it for a second time i felt the same way where i want to work harder at what i do oh cool so i mean honestly cool. i find you a very inspiring inspiring human being man and it's just been a, such a pleasure to talk to you 
Oh, th- yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I'll come on again if you ever want me back. Oh, I, I super would, fun to talk dude, to you. I, I wrote four pages of questions and we got to like three. <laughs> I hardly got to any of them, which was always a good sign. I'm happy. I'm happy to come on anytime. Oh man, Just that'd be know. great. And before we go, is there any, uh, do you want to plug some websites in your social media? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm ch- at Chet Zar, C-H-E-T-Z-A-R on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. But, um, I have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Chet where I'm posting all of my time lapses, all the stuff I'm working on at, at, as I do it, I post pictures of it. So you can kind of see what I'm oh, working on. Oh, that's so cool. Literally like Every time I done for the day, I take a picture and post it on Patreon. Oh, yes. When I get the painting done, I edit it into a time lapse. I put it on Patreon. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And you could join for as little as a dollar a month, which Beautiful. is great. And um, the other, oh, you can get dystop- the dystopia book uh, at chetzar.bigcartel.com along with all of my prints and stuff you can buy that I sell. And the last thing is I have a podcast called the Dark Art Society Podcast where I um, interview. It's so good, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Other, other dark. Yeah. You'll have to come on sometime Ooh, if you're interested. Um, yeah. I, w- I would love that too. Uh, it's, it's, it's it, I interview all kinds of artists, uh, occult people, you know, spirit. We talk about all kinds of weird stuff and um, it's darkartsociety.com. And there's also a Patreon, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And it's on YouTube now. So there is a, a video version of the podcast that goes live every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. PST and I'm in the live chat. And usually the artist that's on the show is in the live chat. Oh, fun. That's, that's awesome. You're in the live chat. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little communities building on YouTube. It's pretty cool. Well, as a person who is just, you know, artists have always been my heroes and my, the icons to me to, to be able to interact with an artist you love in a chat. is a yeah, very meaningful same. thing, man. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I felt artists were my heroes too. Yeah. So it's like, I, I always think of like, if that it wasn't me, but like, Frazetta or something. Oh God! I would, like, I, would, I would so be. I would so be on Frank Frazetta's Patreon. Hell yes! In a heartbeat. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? He's. I mean, like he. I. You know, like I always felt growing up, he was my favorite painter of all time. In you know, same here, you yeah. Know, just same and, here. And, and, and when people try to emulate his style, I don't get mad. I'm like, I actually appreciate. It. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. He's had an influence on me. For oh sure, man. You know? He's had an influence on everyone. If, if, if yeah. you're, you know, oh, boy, he's so good. Have you ever seen that documentary about him? Yeah. That's yeah. A good of one course. I've seen, I've seen every documentary in existence, except ones that are about animals being abused. I will not do <laughs> I that. can't take no, it. I, I can't see blackfish or whatever. I, I, I can't watch I, it because I just can't do you it. You don't need to. You, you, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you, you're, if you're aware of the atrocities done to animals, yeah, I'm aware. Then, I don't think yeah. you need to like put those visuals into your head. I haven't eaten meat in like 30 years. Uh, I don't need, I know all the stuff. Yeah. I don't, I can't see it, but, but I'm a huge documentary geek. Like I'm, uh, that's mostly all I watch nowadays. I Cause I, I put it on when I paint and I can hear yeah, it, listen to it, it in the background. It is nice. I do. I do like Terrence McKenna lectures too, when I'm working. Oh yeah. Alan, yeah. Terrence McKenna is great. Yeah. Alan Watts lectures Absolutely. are awesome too. Absolutely. It's so huge, great. Huge Alan Watts fan. Uh, man, this has been so fun. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. And dude, I know. Dude, I mean, it's nice to meet a new buddy. Like you're, you're, su- you're such a legend, yeah. dude. So thank you so thank you. much for coming on everyone. This has been high strangers. I hope you all have great dinners tonight. Peace out friends. Bye.